Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effects on the markets. This podcast is for educational purposes and should not be taken as investment advice. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you're prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now onto the podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Dylan Holman and joining me is seasoned trader Henry Ward who has over 10 years in the markets. Hello Dylan, how are you? Yeah, good thanks. So the podcast is a simple format which we see us talking about the top three financial stories in the news. This week we're looking at Target, Chipotle Mexican Grill and then Kelcom. First things first though, Henry, how's your week then? Well, the week has been been pretty good. If you're a stock trader, it has had a pullback. We talked about that last week and potentially waiting for the bottom, whether it's now or whether it's going to drop a little bit more. Um, but the biggest mover of the week was GBP. So GBP, it's it's nice to actually start talking about something that is not pandemic related. We're, we're now back to Brexit. <laughs> yeah. To be fair though, we've not talked about that. I don't think at all on the podcast, maybe once or twice, but it's been uh, few and far between. And before the pandemic, we were talking about Brexit for three years solid. Yeah, exactly. It's now actually nice to be come back to the topic. So as we can see that um, there's a trade deal potentially going on between Europe and the UK. UK seems to be playing a little bit of hardball with the likes of that. And on the back of that, that they could end up leaving without a trade agreement. The GBP has now literally tanked. And it's one of the things that has happened. We'd expect some sort of retracement. And then it depends on whether this deal goes through, whether it doesn't go through. Yes, Britain have signed a deal with, was it Japan? Um, not so long ago as well, in the last week or two. So there is some positives out of it. But the big one is Europe. If they, if they continue the way they're going, then we'd expect that to drop. But if they can get a deal and then all of a sudden you'll probably see Euro take a little bit to the downside and then GBP get stronger. So um, political unrest massively affects the foreign exchange market. Sounds like this could be a topic for next week then. Yeah, it could be, yes. Okay, well, let's move on to topic one then, which is Target. So Target's the eighth largest retailer in the US with revenues of around $75 billion. And uh, so how have they fared this year? With the, the markets to where they are happens with the pandemic, we've had a, a big drop across the market. But if we look at the likes of Target year on year, they've actually risen 24%. So um, at the beginning of the year, they were $125 and now they've gone up to about $155, um, so which is a 24% growth, which is, which is good by any, any stock. It doesn't matter what stock it is. If you had a, a portfolio and your portfolio's gone up 24%, you're pretty darn happy with that. But if we look at this in a little, a little more detail, we've had that pandemic, everything dropped and it dropped to about $90 which it is now at a record high at 155, which is a 70% move from the bottom. So if anyone jumped in at the bottom of the likes of Target, they have, they've been on Target. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> 7% rise is just massive. So how much of this would be off the back of kind of their 2017 plans where Target announced that they would be investing $7 billion over a three-year period in what they said was to adapt to rapidly evolving guest preferences. Has that been the main reason, the main driver for this surge, or is there other factors at play here? 
to put it put it in perspective is look no one knew that a pandemic like this was going to happen okay but what happened with the likes of Target is three years ago, they actually come into the player, they put seven billion into the market to revamp what they were doing. Now, that is a huge, huge amount of money to come in and turn, uh, turn the ship around and to push on to you know, I mean, new stuff. And that essentially has kicked them on to the next stage. Now, they are now in the same space as Amazon, where they're the digital retail sales and delivery space. And they're now sort of on par with the likes of Walmart. Now, and that is, that is huge for them. That is huge. And their overall sales growth has gone 24% in the second quarter. So we can directly contribute that 24% that they have made in the last quarter to what they did in 2017. So they had the infrastructure in place. They spent the money to get it there. And now they are reaping the rewards. Now, no, we didn't know a pandemic is going to happen, but they were investing for the future. And this has now reaped massive rewards for them. Yeah, it's good forward planning, isn't it? Have been building their online presence and it's just kind of the opportune uh, moment with everyone now doing their shopping online. But, you know, this was a decision they made three years ago and it's now allowed them to see this huge jump in sales. Why haven't all retailers done similar? It comes down to how much people are looking to reinvest into their company. Now, how many times have people said stay in your lane? And that's exactly what they generally do is they stay in their lane. They carry on doing what they're doing. And yes, they will try innovate to a lesser extent. But what they generally do is continue doing what has worked for year on year on year. Now, with the likes of Target, they saw a, a, a market. They were looking at the likes of Amazons of this world and how can they get into that into that market. They've seen the growth of the likes of Amazon. Uh, I, I posted something on social media uh, for in the last 10 years, since 2010, 2020, Jeff Bezos has come out of nowhere and he's now the richest man in the world by, I think it's something like 40 or 50 billion. And, that, and that was... And I was nowhere on the list 10 years ago. And that's you were nowhere on the list. Why <laughs> <laughs> are you suddenly on the list? <laughs> Have I missed something here? <laughs> I'm, I'm 11, so okay. So okay, you're just... Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Are you strategically being 11, so you're just off the kind of the mainstream list, yeah. and no one knows, just under the radar. I tried to keep under the radar. It's very noble of you. <laughs> That's the idea. So they they built and um, invested into e-commerce, and that is that was their their big the big the big selling point of it and that's what's after happening they have gone on from there and it, it's now reaped rewards because they had the infrastructure in place for the pandemic when it happened now obviously no one knew that was going to happen looking at the financials then of targets so in august they released their second quarter results um, and they show that they had um, their strongest ever reported records digital seeing an increase of nearly 200 percent so there's that saying that you often mention, you know, buy at the low and sell at the high. So if we're trading this, are we doing the opposite? Well, it is at record highs at the moment. Yes, so we are we are doing the opposite per se. But one of the things that you all, I also say in all my courses is trade with the trends till the bend at the end. Okay, so we have a market that has effectively been trending for the last two years. 
nicely. Now, yes, from the from the, the pandemic, from the likes of this year, it has put it into overdrive. But the thing is, is that is e-commerce going to drop? Is it going to win? Are we now, is this now the new norm where we actually do our shopping all online, where we don't interact with people anymore? We're not going to the office anymore. So all these things are all starting to add up to that e-commerce is here to stay, which means that Target have now invested a lot of money into this and any of their analysts who predicted anything along these lines was absolutely perfect. They, they got it spot on. So this is something that potentially is a long-term play. It's not something that we'd be looking for short-term traders to get in, get out. But the idea would be to hold on to this sort of long-term. And with a dividend yield of 2.49%, this looks like a stock that you could have in there for growth but also it'd be something that you would have in there for dividends as well. So it'd be something that would easily slot into anyone's portfolio and would consistently generate money over the next six months, year, two years, because I expect e-commerce to continue going, but it depends on whether they position themselves correctly in that market. Great. Okay, well, let's move on to topic two then, which is the Chipotle Mexican Grill. Now, I do like a, a burrito, I must admit. Uh, so this is obviously the Mexican kind of fast food restaurant, which is in the US, UK, Canada, Germany, and France. So why have they come up on the radar? To, to tell you the truth, I had no idea what Chipotle Mexican Grill was before before doing a bit of research. Really? Well, <laughs> loads of kind of train stations around London, um, and I'm sure they're kind of wider field as well, along with being massive in the likes of the US, etc. So as we can see, we know that we've had the restrictions over the likes of the coronavirus where people are not allowed out of their house, they're not going anywhere, stuff like that there. But Chipotle Mexican Grill has been sort of the opposite to that. It's one that has continued to grow. It is one of these ones that has put something in play a bit like Target and it has consistently gone on from there. So it is one of these ones that got their transition from just sort of a restaurant or like you said, a stand that's that's in any train station, stuff like that, to someone who was bringing on delivery, stuff like that. So at the beginning of the year, their stock was respectable at 834, whereas now it's at 1,380, which is a 65% rise in a stock valuation. So that's why it, it sort of came up on the radar because of the, the massive growth it's had in the last 12 months. That's a very impressive return. Alternatively, we've seen the likes of McDonald's, Shake Shack and others, um, which haven't recovered quite as quickly. So what have Chipotle done differently to these other big restaurant chains? To set the record straight is, is Chipotle haven't done massively different to the other chains. They still suffered a massive drop in the stock, the same as the same as everyone else. But what they did in 2019 is they actually transferred over to digital order. So they set up a partnership with um, DoorDash and Postmate. And from the beginning of the pandemic, they actually had a deal with Uber Eats to actually start delivering stuff to people. Now, in 2019, digital orders grew by 90% um, from records of 2018. So it's been a huge upturn in their actually earnings from the likes of that. So yes, they have they have done really, really well with the likes of deliveries, stuff like that, but they have, were a little bit ahead of the game because they actually started doing it a year beforehand. 90% of Chipotle's orders are from online. 
that that's, seems incredible. That that was that was 2019. That wasn't. That's not even this year. That wow. is that was before that was before the pandemic started. So and you can now under, start of understand how they have gone on from strength to strength once the pandemic happens because they already had everything in place. It's 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 very similar to the likes of Target that they invested a little bit of money. They sort of saw a niche in the market and they went for it and. The pandemic now has has absolutely gone straight into their hands. Yeah, it's really surprising, and but it makes sense that if they had this online presence before lockdown, that this allows them to kind of grow faster than other kind of competitors. It's interesting to see the likes of Costa, which didn't have this online presence to begin with, were obviously hemorrhaging money and you know lost their sales. But then halfway through lockdown. They then partnered with Deliveroo's and Just Eats in order to start sending what people would normally be getting for, say, their lunch breaks, sending it to the, straight to their houses so they can still have that kind of sandwich or coffee. It makes sense. There's that one, at one time, the likes of Costa, the likes of Eating Out, the likes of any of these places that you would have to get up, you would have to go there, and then you would have to purchase it. Now, the only reason that... I would go and eat in those areas if I was out shopping, if I was in work, if I was out places like that. But when I'm at home, I'm at home. I don't, it, it's, I, I cook, stuff like that. So, wait, this, wait, wait, sorry, you cook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes, yes. But the idea is, is that this has now bringing likes of these conglomerates straight to people's doors without you having any hassle. It's just a click of a button now where someone is now getting paid to drop it. Yes, you may pay a little bit extra for that service, but isn't, aren't we in a day and an age where people value their own time, which means then that you don't have to spend time going out to get it and then coming back, which is probably cost you more time than it is to actually make a hot chocolate yourself. So if Chipotle are having more than 90% of their sales through online, then is it fair to say that they wouldn't have been affected that much by the pandemic? No, I'm not saying that. Adam. Of course they were affected by the pandemic. Um, if you look at their numbers, then they've had a massive decrease in the people who have actually come in and sit down in the, in the shop, which means that the, the numbers will have declined. But remember, everything now is revised. So the numbers for the likes of McDonald's and all the other Shake Shack, places like that, their numbers will also massively drop as well. So which means then that it's comparative. But the likes of their online deliveries have skyrocketed. And it's been something that has, has gone on from strength to strength with them. There's an important metric that is used in the restaurant entry and it's called the AUV. Now, this is the average unit volume. Now, this metric is used by most restaurants to find out how or what are the best locations and areas or where the most profit or revenue is made from, from their particular shops or eateries or so on and so forth. Now, in 2019, their UVA was 2.2 million, which is among the very best in the industry. When we look back to 2018, it was at 2 million where they were, they were quite a way off compared to some of the other places. So this is an 11% growth in what they've actually what they've actually achieved. So there's, there's loads and loads of potential in the upside of this. Now, one of the also the big things with restaurants out there is that their labor cost. That is, that is their biggest, biggest outlay. And if you can cut back on the labor cost, then you have huge savings. Now, if we look at year on year, 
they've dropped from 27% cost on labor down to 26%. Now, it may not be a, a huge drop, but in monetary terms, that's a big deal. So they have a, a fast, overgrowing number of people coming to them about the deliveries. They have cut down the labor costs as well. It, it seems to be going from strength to strength at the present moment. One of the ways that restaurants often grow really rapidly is through just opening up more restaurants around the world. Um, it's interesting that Chipotle um, have opened over 140 over the last year. Obviously, in, over the last few months, other restaurant chains have been getting rid of locations. And so on that basis, is it quite a risky investment if they've been exposed to all these new restaurants which have just been opened up in a time when others are getting rid of their restaurants? Well, see, there's, there's two ways to look at this. Now, if you look at it at the way of you're, you're coming in and you're opening up a shop, there's cost, there's overhead, there's stuff like that. Or are you looking at it as you're opening up a shop, but at the present moment, it's just a kitchen. You're not paying to fit it out. You're not paying for it like that. So you're literally paying a chef to come in, cook food, and then you have a delivery driver come and take that. Okay, so that's another way to look at this particular liquor scenario, whereas they have their online demands has grown exponentially. And yes, they have opened an awful lot more of the, the little stores, but what they've done is they've also closed the stores that are not profitable. They're, they are a company that will cost the dead wood, and that's one of the great things to, to see in this. Now, to answer the question, is it, is it, a, risky, is it a risky trade to get into? Um, and are we, have we missed the boat uh, with likes of shops everywhere closing down, the likes of fooderies closing down, people not have the footfall? Well, with the business model that they have, they don't need footfall. They can bring the food to people which means then that they are, have a niche there in this little in this market where they've, they've hit the ground running. Now, if you say it's a risky trade, we can go back to the likes of oil, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Now, that is a risky trade. That is the one, that's one that's at an all-time low. This is, we needed to turn around, whereas this has gone on from strength to strength. If you look at the trend, year on year, it's been growing. And as we saw from this year, we've had a, a huge upturn, even though, it's, it's a restaurant and how many restaurants out there do we hear about are closing down? We have, we have restaurant changes all the time closing down. Now, one of the good things about the likes of this is, is that it is capitalized. It's a highly scalable business. And uh, if, if you look into numbers, it's astonishing. And it's paid back 70% of uh, margin to the shareholders in, in the dividends and stuff and, and and payback so it's a huge it's a hugely profitable business at the minute they have cut down the labor cost they have found a niche by delivering food to people and it's it seems to be something that will continue going if they can get people back into the restaurants wow you can the upside of this could be could be huge if if they can get people back in the restaurants and you have revenue stream coming then from the deliveries and people coming in okay so let's move on to topic three then which is Kelcom. Kelcom is famous for designing and manufacturing wireless telecommunication products. From right, I'm thinking this is basically a chip maker for mobile phones, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, it's the world's biggest supplier of mobile phone chips. Um, it, it will benefit hugely from the, the billions of customers who are upgrading to the, the phones by the 5G. Now, the, the company forecasts that 750 million 5G smartphones will be shipped in 2022. And the 5G connection will hit 1 billion the following year. So that's two years faster than the 4G. 
which is a phenomenal move in that direction if if they hit their targets. Yeah, that's huge numbers for 2022. Um, but what's happening right now? The stock has steadily risen over the last two years. It's one of these ones that um, I quite like because it's we can slowly see it gradually going up. Uh, I'm not a big fan of stocks that massively spike and stuff that nicely continue growing. The trend is, is in a clear direction. Now, it's gone up 40% from the start of the year. So year on year so far, it's been very, very profitable. If we look at the low of the pandemic, it's actually gone up 97% from the low, which is, which is very, very big numbers. Now, the next two years are the ones that massively interest me. So if we're looking at 750 million 5G smartphones in 2020 and a billion in 2023, those numbers are phenomenal. And it doesn't matter what price a company is at now, if they can hit those numbers by 2022 and 2023, where, where will the stock price be then? So we've seen the stock jump 12% on the back of its earnings report and also it's news that it's announced a $1.8 billion licensing deal with Huawei, um, the mobile manufacturer. Um, so this deal with Huawei comes a year after a similar one actually with Apple. So how big a deal is that? Well, this, is, this is a huge deal. This is, this, is, this is now locking in the three major, major mobile phone providers. But you have Apple, which are releasing their, their new phone in October. Now, they're expecting to ship about 75 million units. Now, they have, they're hoping to hit 80 million, but 75 is the same as it did last year, which is what they're looking for. Qualcomm also um, supplies chip to, to like a Samsung, a Huawei. You know what I mean? It's every, that, that's, the three, that's the three major players in this industry locked into the one company now so which is a massive massive deal so and it's also probably going to be a huge for the likes of any the likes of any stock investor that that is in this area now bar a huge catastrophe or something happens that um, there's a data breach or it's come out that the, the likes of the company has been leaking information to people but other than something massive kind of like that I can see this stock just going on from strength to strength. It's, it's, if we look at those three major players there, you have a Chinese major player, you have an Asian major player, and you also then you have American major player, They're all tied into the one company, which is, which is massive. Um, but yeah, I can, I can see this going on from strength to strength. I can't, I can't see it not being higher in price than it is right now. So is it already part of your investment portfolio or is it something that you're going to kind of soon be adding? No, it, it is something that I am just, I've literally bought it over the last three or four days. So it is something we've had a nice pullback on the market. So we all have talked about this pullback that we've had over the last couple of, over the last couple of days. We've had a nice pullback on it. And it's something that I've been looking into 5G um, over the last over the last three or four months. And it's, to me, it seems to be the one that has the best infrastructure in place. It seems to be the one that has the best partners to actually work with as well. So to me, if they can get anywhere near, near those numbers that they're, they're looking at predicting, for me, the, the future as, a, as an investor is quite rosy. In terms of getting kind of uh, seeing your return on investment, you know, these numbers were all based off this 2022 prediction. Would you be holding the stock no matter what until kind of 2022 or if it spikes up in value, say in the next six months, would you look to sell? 5G is only going to get better. It's only going to get stronger. It's only going to, until 6G comes out. 
<laughs> um, or 7G or 10G or whatever the next G is. It's, it's, it, till that comes out, I would be massively holding on to, to this. This could be, this could be uh, anything between up to a five-year play on this particular trade. It's not something I'll be looking to get in on a sort of a CFD. It'll be buying the underlying asset. And then if it starts trending nicely and I see opportunity as CFDs, I will then potentially jump in. But the idea would be holding on to the stock long term and then let it grow. Let the portfolio grow. Let it let it let it go normally. So this is a growth play rather than a quick in and out play. Great. Well that's it for this week's freeze topics. Before we go, is there anything else that people should be watching? Uh, for me, it's, it's watching the Eurozone, whether it's, whether it's GBP or whether it's Euro. Um, we also have a, a little bit of uncertainty with US dollar. Um, I know the jobs data came out and wasn't great, but it was actually better than expected. So you have potentially a little bit of dollar strength. We're still, we've been talking about that now for the last <laughs> three or four weeks. But at the present moment, the, probably the one that, that is going to move is the likes of Euro GBP there. European Union GBP with the likes of the Brexit deal. That is for me is where the, the movement is at the moment. Well, thanks for that. And thanks everyone for listening to this week's podcast. As always, you can learn more about the markets on Henry's weekly webinar, which you can find at the eToro Trading School, which just punch it into Google and uh, it'll be one of the first ones that pops up. We look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.